Well, there is a reason we did that song this morning, and it's not because there's a Niners game that starts in four hours. Which, by the way, there's a Niners game that starts in four hours. That's pretty exciting. Uh, actually, we're doing it because we're talking about dreams, as Sophia said. We're talking about tomorrow and what it looks like for us to envision a future that God has put in us. And uh, as I get started this morning, I want to jump in by talking about two restaurants that could not be any more different. One of them is In-N-Out Burger. Uh, because we are in California, I think it's pretty safe to say, uh, it's pretty safe to assume every one of us has probably been to an In-N-Out. Uh, I grew up outside Chicago. We did not have In-N-Out. Uh, I really didn't know about In-N-Out Burger. My only knowledge of it was this one guy at my high school who would wear a different In-N-Out shirt every single day. Uh, I would see him in that shirt, and, and I would wonder what it was, and, and the pictures always looked super retro. Uh, at my high school, I'd see him, and, and I'd see the pictures, and I assumed that it was a fictional burger place from the very distant past before we were born or something like that. Uh, and it wasn't until I moved to Pasadena in my 20s, and I was driving down the street, and uh, I saw a giant arrow blocks away from me in the sky pointing at something. And as I got closer, I noticed that the, the, the traffic in front of me in the right lane had completely stopped <laughs> as if they were all waiting in line for something. I'm talking 30 cars lined up on the street. And it wasn't until I passed by all of those cars and I turned my head and glanced over at what looked like a toll booth that I learned in and out was a real thing, not just a t-shirt. And uh, I have found since then that, that In-N-Out is one of those great perks of living in California, right? There's a lot of good things here, uh, but there's a lot we have to put up with that's not always so great. I would suggest one of the things that makes it worth it is an In-N-Out burger everywhere. Uh, in fact, it's kind of a great common denominator. In-N-Out is what we all in this room have in common. Uh, here's Tom Hanks at In-N-Out. Uh, Selena Gomez at In-N-Out. Uh, Julia Roberts eating in and out while kissing her husband. Steph and Aisha Curry with Drake at in and out <laughs> The food is good. The prices are right. But can I tell you what I love the most? The menu is simple. Now, that menu is a little bit old. The prices have gone up a little bit. But, but when I say I love their simple menu, it's not, it's not because I don't want to have to make choices. I love it from a business perspective. For 75 years, they've kept it really simple for themselves. They do burgers, fries, drinks, and shakes. They don't do chicken sandwiches. They don't make salads. Uh, unlike Jack in the Box, they don't put mozzarella sticks or tacos on their menu from time to time. They just do what they do for 75 years and they do it really well. in and out knows who they are and they know what they do, and they do not confuse what they do with other things. All right, let me tell you about another restaurant. This one is not a fast food restaurant, and because what I'm about to say might not be flattering, I'm not gonna say its name, uh, but if you've been there, you'll know what I'm talking about. This is a restaurant that also started in California. Uh, it seems these days to generally be found attached to shopping malls, and really, really, it's known for its dessert. They may have uh, other good items on their menu, but uh, who are we fooling? The only reason you go is to spend $12 on an incredibly decadent dessert. And unlike In-N-Out, this restaurant has 250 different items on its menu. When you get seated at this restaurant, you are handed a spiral-bound laminated book. 
that if you were to try and read the entire thing to decide which of the 250 items you want, it would take you 45 minutes to get to order. And uh, as much as this place is about the dessert, it's got everything from Chinese food to pizza to fish and chips to burritos. Um, I guess you could say that's a plus to going there, right? There's something for everyone. But the downside is it's not known for being an expert at any one of those entrees. Now, some history. Uh, this restaurant started over 40 years ago with the intention of selling cheesecake. Uh, the owner's mother made great desserts. That, that was the plan. We're going to just sell my mom's cheesecake. But he realized, I need a menu that revolves around the dessert. People aren't going to come to just eat cheesecake. And so he made it real simple at first. Burgers and uh, salads and sandwiches. And as the restaurant became successful, this owner would eat at other restaurants and find a dish that he liked and decide to add it to his own menu. And then customers would respond positively to the new dish, and it was hard to take it off the menu after that. And then, then he would see a new restaurant open up across town, and he would worry that they would take his business if he didn't keep adding new items to his menu, so the additions to the menu just kept coming. And finally, one day he thought, well, there is nothing that America wants that we should not be able to put on this menu, so he just kept at it. And now what they are known for, besides their dessert, is having a ridiculous menu, 250 things. Uh, later, that owner went on to say, this is a quote, in hindsight, I should have kept the menu smaller. <laughs> but now the big is why people go. Now, let's go back to In-N-Out and contrast these, okay? Unlike that last restaurant, the founder of In-N-Out, Harry Snyder, had a motto, keep it simple, do one thing, and do it the best you can. All right, it's probably not fair for me to compare these two restaurants because they're totally different business types and, and models. One does drive through fast food. The other is meant to be a sit-down, kind of large kitchen dining experience. But I think I can tell you, over the years, I have had many dishes at both, and In-N-Out never fails me. Uh, the other one, I can't say it's the best burger, pizza, burrito, or fish and chips I've ever had. <laughs> and of course, we can attribute that. What we can attribute that to is a lack of focus. So much going on, they don't do too many things very well. And can I tell you, it usually doesn't end well when a company loses focus on what they do best. Uh, take, for example, in 1982, Colgate, yes, the toothpaste company, Colgate decided to introduce a line of frozen dinners called the Colgate Kitchen Entrees. Yeah, that did not last real long. All right, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson, the motorcycle company, decided to expand into wine coolers and aftershaves. People did not want to wear something that made them smell like a motorcycle or drink something that had been near a gas engine. Both of those products bombed, all right? In 1979, Clairol came out with a shampoo called Touch of Yogurt, which caused confusion is some people, this is not made up, some people started eating their shampoo for breakfast, which is a, a time saver if you think about it, eating breakfast as you shall. In 2005, Cheetos, Cheetos, which had been a popular snack for over 50 years, they decided to go into the lip balm industry and create a Cheetos-flavored lip balm. 
which I think you could probably get the same effect just rubbing a Cheeto on your lips. <laughs> All right, when a company loses focus, they tend to find themselves veering outside the thing that they were there to do, the best thing. And of course, I bring it up this morning because as we continue in this series talking about the tomorrow that God has for you, the dream or the dreams that God has put inside you, when we say that, we, the dream might have to do with your family. Uh, it could be a dream for your marriage, for your friendships. We've talked about that. A dream for your career, for your retirement, a dream for your free time to be purposeful and significant. Whatever the dream is, the first week, we talked about looking with God at this dream inside you. The second week, we talked about consulting with God on the dream, making sure he's in on it. As we continue today, I want to share with you the third step toward tomorrow. Focus on the main thing. If your dream is going to become a reality, it is not going to be just because you have it or just because you pray about it or even that you make some right moves with it. It's going to be successful. It's gonna happen because you stay focused. I love the video we had earlier of Christine Ingerberton with Foster the City. They have a great idea. They're working towards the main idea. And of course what that means is they have people coming up all the time giving them new ideas that if they said yes, would distract them from the main idea. And they have learned that to be successful, the best thing that they can do is focus. Uh, if you are gonna live in the tomorrow that God has in store for you, one of the things it's gonna take is to stay focused on the main thing. And I think all of you here would agree with me, and we could walk out right now, we could save ourselves the next 20 minutes, but there's more. Because you and I know that, that focus can be hard, and the main thing can kind of be confusing sometimes. How do you keep your focus on the main thing? And which main thing should be the main thing? And, and how do you know at any given point what the main thing is? Well, I have good news. The Bible has a whole thing in it about staying focused on the main thing. It tells us how to do it. Um, if you have occasionally found yourself pulled and distracted from whatever the main thing is, I wanna show you right now something that I think is gonna be incredibly helpful. We're gonna find something in the letter to the Philippians that gives us four areas we need to be focusing on as we move into tomorrow toward our dream. Uh, in fact, let, let, let me word it this way. If you do not feel focused, it is probably because one of these, or, or two, or maybe three, are not in your life right now. Let me say that again. If you don't feel focused as you move into your Tomorrowland dream, there's a very good chance at least one of these four things we're gonna look at is out of focus in your life at this morning. And as I walk you through all four of these, I want you to ask the question, which one of these am I struggling to keep my focus on? Which one, or maybe it's two or three, maybe even all four. And we find them in the letter to the Philippians. Now, before we read this passage, and, and it's just three verses long, let me give you some background, all right? This is written by a guy named Paul, who was an apostle that went around starting churches. Um, Paul's story is long, we can get into it another time, but the, the Cliff's Notes version, uh, Paul is Jewish, he used to be a leader in the religious world, and actually, he would persecute Christians. He would oversee the execution of Christians. 
And one day, he had an experience on the roads of Damascus where he saw Jesus, or actually he was blinded by Jesus, realized in this moment that he had been fighting against God and God's movement, God's dream. He became a Jesus follower himself, and after that, he couldn't help himself from going around and telling more people about Jesus and starting more churches. So in Acts 16, we read that he goes to this city named Philippi. And as he preaches in the city, people start converting. They start giving their lives to Jesus, and it's all good, except for one of those people is a woman that is a slave. And as a slave, this woman made a lot of money for her owners by fortune-telling, telling people what would be in their tomorrow. Well, apparently, when she gave her life to Jesus, she lost that ability And so her owners, of course, got upset with Paul and they seized him and they had him arrested. And the book of Acts tells us that he was found guilty of doing whatever crime it is to keep somebody from being a fortune teller in the future. And they they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they put him in prison. And let's just say the experience of this city for Paul, Philippi, it was kind of a mixed experience. So later after he's left and the church has started and it's thriving there without him, he writes them a letter. And he writes the church in Philippi a letter from a different prison because Paul is in trouble again. Paul's been preaching about Jesus. He's thrown in prison for that again. And this time, he actually thinks he's probably gonna lose his life because of those preaching, the preaching he'd done. And so he's writing to his friends in Philippi who saw him go through this with them knowing these might be his last words. And he says this, Philippians 3. He says, Now that I have already, not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And while that is a little bit wordy, and we're gonna take some time and unpack it, what Paul does right there is he reveals how he's been able through everything he's been go- that's been going on talking arrests and beatings and prison, he reveals how he has been able to stay focused on the dream that God has for him tomorrow. And right here, in just these three verses, we're gonna find these four areas of focus that if any one of those is out of focus, it's gonna be hard for you to stay focused on the main thing. Um, By the way, let me just give some credit to a pastor and an author, David Jeremiah, who wrote a book where he goes into these four things, all right? Let me circle the first one that Paul mentions. Take a look at this. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. All right, Paul says right there, the reason that I'm pressing on, in spite of being in prison, in spite of being beaten when I was in town with you a while back, the reason that I keep pressing on is I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I am focusing on the purpose that is in me. And he says, mine is to take hold of that 
for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, that is a really elegant, wordy way to say his purpose. And I, have, I, I read this 10 times to understand what in the world Paul is talking about. And I went to school for this. Uh, but if, if you go back just one tiny part of this passage, earlier in that sentence that's up there, he, he kind of points, points out what he's referring to. Not that I have grasped it or have already become perfect. What Paul is talking about when he says, I press on to take hold of that which Jesus took hold of me, he is talking about change. He's talking about transformation. I'm not perfect. I got a long way to go, but I press on towards the purpose that Jesus has put in me. And let me just say what we're intended to be transformed into. People who are more and more like Jesus. And Paul says, for me to be focused on the main thing, to stay focused on the main thing, I have to stay focused on that. All right, Gordon MacDonald, who, who is a pastor and an author, he tells this story, uh, he, he wrote in a book, he said, when I first ran track in prep school, my coach invited me to his home for dinner one night. Um, after the meal, he pulled out a notebook displaying my name on the front cover. My name is on the front cover of this book, he writes. He immediately turned to the back page, which bore the heading, June 1957, three and a half years away. Gordon, he said, these are the races I'm going to schedule you to run almost four years from now, and here are the times you will achieve. Gordon writes, I looked at those. Impossible. They were light years away from where I was at that moment as a runner. But then Coach began turning back the pages of the book, page by page, showing the 42 months that he had scheduled for workouts. These were the graduated, accelerated plans for my increasing skill on the track as the months and the years would go by. He had a sense of direction and development when it came to my athletic growth. And, and he concludes saying, coaches and leaders of all kinds understand the absolute necessity of strategic long-term planning. And similarly, a wise and all-knowing God has a plan for our total lives gradually, inevitably, down through the years. Here's the plan. We become more like Jesus. If, if you are wondering what your purpose is, okay, not your plan, not the dream that God has for you, your purpose is to become more like Jesus. In this room, our dreams might all be different. Your dream might be to go to Harvard. Your dream might be to start a new company and see it flourish. Your dream might be to use your gifts in some way in the church world. Your dream might be related to a, a relationship with another person. Um, I, I talked to two people last week before and after the service whose dreams are related to becoming firefighters, to be able to protect you and your loved ones and save lives. Our, our dreams can all be different, but guess what? And this is gonna surprise some of you. We all have the same purpose, to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you, to become more like Jesus. Yes, you're going to go to Harvard, and as you do, you're going to becoming, be becoming more like Jesus. Or yes, you are going to be the founder of a company who leads as a person becoming more like Jesus. Your dream of being a husband or wife or partner or mom and dad, your dream of that relationship being what it's going to be, it's going to be what it's going to be because your purpose 
is to become more like Jesus. You're going to be a firefighter whose dream is to save lives, but your purpose is God's purpose, which is you becoming more like Jesus. And I'll just say, if we could talk about this for a second, there is a difference between your purpose for tomorrow and your dream for tomorrow. And both of them are incredibly important, and they're not competing. They work together. But part of why we lose focus is we think that our dream is our purpose. Let me just say that again. Part of why we lose focus is we make the mistake of thinking that our dream is our purpose in this world. So if your dream is to be the best mom you can be, that is your purpose in this world. But here's the problem. What happens when you're an incredible mom and your kids still do what kids do? Rebel, they struggle, they deal with their own obstacles as kids, or, or just as likely. What happens when your kids realize that you are not perfect as a mom and you messed them up a little bit, just the same way your parents messed you up? <laughs> and, and what happens in these moments where we thought our purpose is the same as our dream is our dream hits challenges, right, and obstacles. And, and when it does, our purpose seems lost in these moments. We question our purpose, and the reason is, oh, man, we got our identity from our dream, not our purpose. An identity centered around your dream is a problem. It should be centered around your purpose. Or, or, or let's do this one. Your dream might be career-related. You want to start something or make something better or be, be recognized for something in the Hall of Fame. Make a certain amount of money, whatever your dream may be, and those are fine. Those are all great dreams. And let's say you spend 30 years progressing toward the dream, and it's all good, but what happens when you retire and you decide to hand that dream to someone else. If your purpose was the dream and not becoming more like Jesus, when the dream goes away, you find yourself purposeless. Focusing on the main thing means realizing that within the main thing are a few things, and one is that your purpose in this world is not your dream or your dreams which may change and develop and are gonna be different in different seasons, your purpose is becoming more and more like Jesus. Will you say this with me? My purpose is to become like Jesus. Let's say that together. My purpose is to become like Jesus. And as you think about that, I need you to know that is God's purpose for you too, and it's yours. When all else gets weird in your dream or challenging or, or even fulfilling in your dream, the great news is that purpose stays the same. Your purpose will not change. You can stay focused on that. So question for you right now, in your dream, are you so focused on the dream itself that you're not focused on the purpose God has for you to become more like him? Let me show you the next way Paul says you should stay focused on the main thing. Take a look at the passage again. Um, I'll, I'll circle it when we get to it. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Paul says, I forget what's behind me, and what he means is the negative impact of the past. I forget yesterday. Okay, we talked a little bit about this week one. I don't let yesterday and what happened to me yesterday get me down. I don't let yesterday control me or hinder my future. 
And when he says that, he certainly means the rough things from yesterday, but he also means the good things. He means the successes. Look at that first part. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Paul does this remarkable thing that you and I should do to stay focused on the main thing. He focuses on God's forward perspective. And God's perspective is not facing backwards. If you are struggling to find yourself staying focused on the main thing, this could be the quadrant that you're dealing with. You keep looking back instead of ahead. All right, let's try something together, okay? Thought experiment. Imagine that you just found out you have a rare and terminal illness. And you sit down with your doctor, and so you ask the doctor, is there no hope for me? And the doctor says, well, there is one thing. Without this one thing, it is over. But with this one thing, you will be completely healed. But let me be utterly clear. It's impossible for you to live without this one thing. All right, what would you say? Cool, doctor, we'll get to that one thing. But first, can I fill you in on what I was doing last week that was kind of fun? Would you like to see my vacation pictures? Or, or would you say, doctor, before you tell me this one thing, can we talk about how I got here? Like what went wrong? What did I do in the past that caused this illness? Or even doctor, the fact that you have this one thing is interesting, but, but let me tell you about all the other one things that I have been so good at in the past. No, you would say, wait a second, there's a thing I can do? What? What is it? Tell me now. I got to know, and I'm not leaving until I do. The only sane response is the last one. And I'm not saying we should never look at yesterday, but if you are losing focus, it could be because all you are doing is looking at yesterday, or, or you're focusing backwards way too much. And Paul says, I stay focused on the main thing by focusing on God's forward perspective, which means not dwelling on the past. And boy, did he have a past that could be dwelled on. I wonder if for some of you, I wonder if for some of you, facing your past is blurring your vision for the main thing. Okay, third one Paul mentions. Look at this. He says, forgetting what is behind and, and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I don't dwell on the past, but I reach forward to what lies ahead. What Paul says here is, I stay focused on God's plan. To stay focused on the main thing, I am straining or I'm reaching forward to the plan. All right, let's talk about this. All of us have the same purpose, but God's plans for all of us are unique. Everybody in this room, everybody on this earth is different and God has a plan tailor-made for you and you alone. Everything that you've ever experienced, good, bad, and ugly, prepares you for his plan. But by faith, you've got to walk into it. Strain for it. Reach for it, as he says. And, 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 and as we're three weeks into this series, let me tell you, one of his plans is very likely the thing that you have been dreaming about. And God has been planting his plans in you through your dreams and your visions for tomorrow. And to be quite honest, he has been prepping you for those plans your whole life. Um, can, I, can I use my wife, Andrea, one of our other pastors here? A few years back, uh, she and a few other women had a dream that started to get rooted in them. What if we created a thing? We'll, we'll start with a conference. 
for women who are involved in leading in some sort of way in ministry. Because often, often for pastors or leaders in churches that are women, uh, it can be a lonely place. Many women who are on staff at churches where the staff are all men. The, 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 the only woman on staff is the one that might be the one we're talking about. Um, many women who don't know any other women in ministry because their time is all caught up in their own church. And uh, this dream shared by a few other women, in, including Jody, one of our pastors, uh, actually including Christine, who, who was part of uh, Foster the City, you saw a minute ago, uh, that dream is now called Lead Bold. Um, this dream came out of what I believe, I believe it to be a long-term plan for God's life. You see, uh, did I say for God's life? His life too, but I meant Andrea's. Here's what I mean by a long-term plan. You see, some churches have a husband and wife pastor who are on staff together. And, and they're, uh, the reason they're both pastors and they're both on staff is because it's a team deal. She's a pastor because he is the pastor. Uh, but Andrea and I met when she was studying to be a pastor in seminary on her own. Uh, by the way, you know what the dating situation in seminary is like? It's like one girl for every hundred guys. And I won. And Andrea, um, and uh, Andrea and I got married. And uh, uh, in the first church that I worked for after we got married, um, they hired me. They hired me. And Andrea got a job leading the customer service department of a Fortune 500 company that sold meat, uh, meat that is probably in your refrigerator right now. And while I was enjoying my day pastoring, doing what I was called to do because this church did not hire women pastors, Andrea was flying to North Dakota to meat processing facilities to see how the sausage was made, literally. <laughs> um, when we left that church after a number of years and went to another church, they also did not believe in women being, women being pastors. Um, they had since changed their mind, but, but even though she was qualified, frankly, she was more qualified than 90% of the men I worked with. Uh, it was never even a thought at that church. Now just imagine, imagine spending years in grad school to become a pastor, and then spending the following 10 to 12 years doing everything but that, only to come to Crosswinds, and within a year or two of me being hired here, somebody going, oh, she should work here too. And imagine after 13 years of working here, which is about how long Andrea's been on staff here now, getting this dream to resource and equip and encourage other women who might not be getting that kind of support. And I just say it to say, you see how we all have the same purpose, but God's plan for Andrea and Lee Bold is real unique to her and her experience. And what I'm saying is, God has a plan for you. It is very likely the thing you've been dreaming since we started talking week one. And part of focusing on the main thing is focusing on that thing that you can see he has been planning for you for a very long time. And I'll ask, if you're having trouble focusing on the main thing, could it be you are struggling to focus on God's plan? Okay, last one, fourth thing. Paul writes, he's able to stay focused on the main thing because he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul stays focused on the main thing while in prison, mind you, because he is able to stay focused on God's prize. The prize. What is the prize? What's the prize? 
At the end of this race that we're all running called life, what is the prize? All right, there's a bunch of prizes. One is God saying to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is a line that Jesus uses in this story to describe what might be waiting at the end of this life. All right, can you, can you imagine like the God of the universe someday looking you in the eyes and saying, Chris, good job down there. Well done. I'll tell you, um, one time I was working at this church and we had a guest speaker come from one of the churches that I grew up in, which is now like a church of 20,000 plus people. And uh, we were backstage and I was helping him out, get his mic figured out. And he said, Chris, I want you to know our church back home is so proud of you. And I thought, no, they're not. I haven't been there in almost 15 years. They don't even know me anymore. But even him just saying it, I was glowing for days. Have you ever had anyone that means a lot to you say, well done, you're killing it. I'm so proud of you. Imagine if you got to spend eternity with God saying that to you and an eternity with the glow that follows. <laughs> That's the prize. Another prize that the Bible talks about is a crown of righteousness. Now, that's a metaphor. I don't anticipate wearing a crown in heaven. Not sure I want to wear a crown. I don't look good in hats. <laughs> Call back. But the idea is that for those who are extrinsically motivated, okay, we can take that down now. <laughs> the idea is for those that are extrinsically motivated, there is something in heaven for you that God has in store. Because, because you stay focused on his purpose. You're becoming more like Jesus and you stay focused on your dream, God's plans for you. And the reason that the Bible thought it would dangle the carrot called the crown of righteousness in front of you is because life is long, right? And focus is hard. And if you're gonna stay focused on the main thing, it involves focusing on some eventual prize. That's what keeps you going when it gets hard. In 1952, a woman named Florence Chadwick set out to swim the 20-mile channel between Catalina Island and the California coast. Uh, she was a long-distance swimmer and had set out to break a record to be able to do that, but the conditions on the morning of her swim, not good. The water was cold, fog had settled in. Uh, soon after she began to swim, the boats that had been accompanying her, she could barely see them anymore. Uh, to make matters worse, sharks trailed her several times, had to be driven off by those boats. And still, Florence swam on for more than 15 hours as the fog grew worse and worse. And finally, finally, physically, emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming. She was pulled into the boat and taken toward the California shore, which she discovered, to her dismay, was little more than half a mile away. After swimming almost 20 miles, she quit, just barely short of her goal. Okay, the next day she told the news media, all I could see was the fog. I think if I had seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later, Florence stepped into the water on Catalina Island to try to swim it again. Unfortunately, weather conditions were no better. Uh, water was cold. Again, dense fog settled over the channel. But this time, she swam all the way. First woman to make it. What made the difference? She later said that while swimming those last grueling miles, she kept her mind focused on a vivid mental image of the California shore. She kept her mind on the prize. Here's what she said. At that moment, 
I knew the real meaning of faith described in the Bible as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The way that she focused on the main thing, swimming, was to focus on the prize. Now, I think that sometimes we think focusing on the prize means that you're shallow. That's evidence of a shallow heart, a shallow soul. All you care about is prizes and winning. And our struggles, our struggles toward a dream should be about a journey, not the destination. Um, I've said that before. And uh, if I'm honest with you, sometimes I think that's just stupid. I mean, life is, life is about the journey. That's good. That's not stupid. I like that. But my life is also about the destination. If there is a destination that lasts infinitely longer than the place we are now, shouldn't life be about the destination? Your dream for tomorrow will become reality because you focus on the prize. And and we are out of time. So I will ask you to consider this fourth one. Exactly how I've asked you to consider the other three. If you are struggling to focus on the main thing, could it be you have lost sight of one of the many prizes that are waiting for you at the other end of this dream? You are not selfish or shallow if you like to think about the prize. Thinking about the prize is what will keep you focused when the cold, foggy, shark-infested waters are surrounding you. All right, which of those four is it for you? Which one or two or three are you struggling to stay focused on and it's affecting your ability to focus on the main thing? Would you think about that this week? Would you sharpen your focus on that this week? And would you see what difference it makes? All right. I'm gonna let you go without praying today. Let me just say, enjoy your In-N-Out burger. You know you're all going there after what we talked about. Uh, We do have a few seats left for Backstage Pass, which starts in five minutes. We have like three seats left. If you're interested in joining us for that, we'd love to have you. We'll see you next week.